This is BK, and welcome back to the Artivist Room, movement building through art and activism. Today, we'll be talking with the UK-based art blogger, Shard Adio, most notably known by his art blog, Memoirs by Shard. Now, his work centers the artist and focuses largely around showing folks that art is for everyone, encouraging folks to push past the Basquiat's of the world and really take notice of the artists that are coming up in the world right now. Before he started his blog officially, he was in school majoring in chemical engineering and trying to find a space for his creativity outside of school. He started snapping photos of the artists closest to him, and it was those folks in his community that encouraged him to take his work to another level. Fast forward to today, where he has cultivated relationships with artists across the globe and has been able to create a following that gives folks the opportunity to learn about artists they wouldn't normally come across. He sees himself opening the doors for others to find their own lane and space to tell their own stories. He's currently working on the third volume of his memoirs. You can find that on his IG at Memoirs by Shard. Now, this is our first interview with a cousin from across the pond, so I'm really excited for you all to dive into the room today. So let's get into it with Memoirs by Shard. Hey, Shard, welcome to the show. Yes, thanks for having me here. Thanks, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing to be part of to do a collab, um, with someone from the US as well. So yeah, I'm yeah, I'm so excited. You're my first, you're my first interview from across the pond. So I'm I'm excited yeah. to get into it with you. Likewise, <laughs> So tell me, how's life been? Um, uh, experiencing the pandemic over there. I'm pretty sure it's not too dissimilar from what we've been going through over here but how things been treating you i mean yeah it's been interesting i think with the whole pandemic things have just kind of like slowed um, down and i think for me like life has really come to like a not like a grinding hole but things are much more moving at a much more slower pace so for me like before the pandemic i was like, i love going to galleries love going to my private viewings and me and artists going to their studios just chilling with them interviewing them I like, for example, I'm a film photographer as well. So I like taking pictures. I like doing like photo series and going out there, taking my pictures and developing them. But because of the, whole, um, the pandemic, those things have like come to a halt. So currently now galleries, uh, well, as of this recording, galleries are still closed. Photo labs are kind of closed as well. So those kind of things that might, in essence, my distractions are not available anymore. So yeah, it's been quite difficult trying to just um, keep myself occupied. So yeah, I've been really delving into what's good again, my blog. And just trying to uh, do new things and work on other things as well. So yeah, that's just it from yeah my side in terms of the pan- in terms of the pandemic and how it's affecting yeah. me. Totally understand that. I know in a lot of ways it it has slowed things down, but in weird ways it's kind of sped up different parts of life. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's definitely some balance is definitely needed to kind of figure out in this. Even a year later, we're still trying to figure out the balance of this yeah, whole thing. I mean, so. I mean, the thing with the pandemic, there have been its ups and downs. I think in terms of if you're creative, you've definitely felt impacted during this mm-hmm. pandemic because. As creators, we really like to get out there. We're quite physical people. We really like to engage with people. But because of that, we've been forced to 
adapt and incorporate technology within how we do our work. So, for example, for me, most of my interviews, when I uh, most of my interviews, which we'll delve into during this podcast, I have to do them over Zoom. So it's not the case that mm-hmm. whenever I'm talking to someone from the UK, okay, let's go in the studio, have that very intimate setting. It's all been done using technology. And if you look into other like spaces, for example, galleries, you're seeing things, for example, like virtual shows, mm-hmm. which are kind of trying to provide that same experience with people who do visit galleries. And then as well as you're seeing stuff like with technology coming out with NFTs that are really making the massive rounds around the rooms and clubhouse and the internet. So yeah, that's one thing you're definitely seeing with um, this pandemic in a sense where even though certain things are kind of slowed down within the creative space, new ideas and new possibilities are kind of um, read their heads heads, um, open. So yeah, for people to kind of delve into, so yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your your blog, uh, The Memoirs by Shard. I was really intrigued by the way that you kind of introduced the different artists. I heard you say earlier that, you know, this next volume is going to take a more international feel. So you're going to be talking to more artists that, you know, aren't necessarily based in London and UK, but are definitely still, you know, artists of the diaspora and, you know, Black artists. Um, Do you think that given, you know, what everyone's going through and the different uprisings that are happening, especially here in the U.S., do you think that... um, you know, what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement um, will kind of seep into your your, um, your storytelling and your blog? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I, I even started to do it, um, I even started to do it when I, in volume two even, because I remember at the time of what we, when um, the whole thing with um, Breonna Taylor, um, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, um, when, I, when, I, when I saw those things, I tried to, I tried to incorporate that within um, the memoirs. For example, even the NSARS movement, um, the NSARS movement that you saw happening in um, in um, Nigeria, I tried to incorporate that with again, even in this particular um, volume, because like I said, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna be talking, if I'm gonna kind of be talking about stuff, I want it to be memorable. So I want to, I want to talk about issues, and that's one thing I, w- I always try to do with mem- uh, with memoirs. But I try to I always try to talk about issues that I think, hey, let's talk about this, let's have a bit of a discussion. You know what I mean, like. Um, I always like to have those discussions, whether it be whether it can sometimes be a bit of um, tongue in cheek or whether it can be a bit serious. I always like to incorporate that within my blog and make people think, okay, hmm, this is quite interesting. You know, what I mean, like one thing I was very proud of doing, um, and I did it with one of, with my editor, um, and she's an amazing person. Um, her name's called Rachel, and she's my editor. She's even helped me with this particular volume as well. We've been doing a lot of work. Is that we kind of came together and. Um, um, I, I was like, listen, I've got a vision. I'd love to help you. And I'd love to have you on board to help me execute that vision. And we really delved into um, black, um, black queer representation. So people from the uh, black, uh, people, uh, black people from the LGBTQ plus community. So we want to really highlight that within the wake of the black lives, uh, within, within the wake of the black lives, matter that was happening around the world where with the, with the last uh, memoir in volume two, I really want to ask the question, when we say, you know, Black Lives Matter, what do you mean? Because to some people, it can it can be a term that's inclusive of everybody. So everyone's involved in it. But to some people, it's in their mind, they're kind of seen as, okay, we're just talking about Black hetero um, sexual lives. So I really want to showcase that within that particular, uh, within that particular moment to, hey, this is the statistics, you know, we really need to work, we need to come together. So I think for me, I think it's so important for me to include those issues within um, memoirs by child, just to show people, hey, 
these are things that are going on in the world. Let's kind of like shine a spotlight on them and let's really delve into it. And I think that's, and I think that's why with me, I always had to do my research. I always had to really do my research whenever I'm thinking of, uh, whenever I'm doing my intros. So at times when I, so at times when I write something, I, when, I, when, when I'm going into the editing process, I might just say, you know what, let me even double down and do some more research on that basically because mm-hmm. I just feel like they, I could talk about more within mm-hmm. that, uh, within that section basically. Have you seen or noticed, like, since um, I'll say within the past year, uh, with the yeah. artists that are um, that you've been like connecting with in in the UK, have you noticed the shift in the work that they've been producing since we've been um, quarantined in the pandemic, or has yeah. it stayed relatively the same? No, I think it's changed. I think that's the beautiful thing um, about my blog, in a sense where. Every single month, I'm always like working hand in hand with the artist, basically. So I'm like, hey, I've done this. Hey, have you read this? I'm working hand in hand. And when the memoir's out, when the memoir's out, you know, it has its interest. We're talking about the artist's journey so far. I'm talking about the um, artist's work. I think for me, what the beauty is, is that when, you know, when time passes by and I then catch up with the artist again, I see like massive shifts in their work, you know what I mean? It, and, and for me, I think that's the beautiful thing about memoirs in a sense where it's kind of like a time capsule of an artist's work from a particular um, period. And another thing I want to add to that as well, I think for me, what I always try to do when it comes um, to memoirs by child is have and is select artwork that is, um, that represents an artist's catalogue. So recently I did a, um, an interview with a, um, with a, with a gentleman from uh, from California, his name was called uh, Muse Muse Sasasi, uh, and we were looking at some of his artwork from 2015, 16 to like 2020. And what was crazy is that when we we're doing the art analysis, so I um, I shared my screen and I put the 2016 um, artwork. Uh, I put the 2016 artwork on the screen. He was like, "Yo, how'd you get these? How'd you get these pieces?" Whoa! Like he was looking at me like <laughs> it was like he was looking at me dodgy. I was like, "Dude, they're on your website," and he was like, "Whoa!" Like this is like a massive throw, I've never seen it before. So yeah, I think that's why I, I try to do in the sense where I try to bring the entire catalog to as well as that show the reader saying, hey, this artist's work has gone through a massive transformation. Um, look at where it was now, look where it is now. And like I say, when I speak to certain artists, certain artists even say to me, hey, my style's still evolving, still changing. So nothing's ever um, fixed. So I think, I think especially, so, so I think with that question that you posed me about, how the work has changed during the pandemic. I think the majority of artists I've spoken to, the work has changed during the um, pandemic. And I think everyone, and I think that's because everyone's kind of like in a different mindset. And I think that kind of leaks over into the, um, it leaks over into the work and people use their work as a kind of a cathartic release. So since you've started your memoirs, your blog, um, can you talk about an artist that kind of stuck with you or a memoir that has stuck with you? And, uh, you know, why, why that piece stuck with you the way that it did? Are we talking about artists or artists um, work? Um, or do you want both of them? Uh, both, yeah, both. Ooh, that's... A <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh, this is... Um, it, um, I think... I think I'm going to have to put it down to... I think it, um, when it comes to artists who kind of stuck with me, I kind of have to boil it down to, I'll be honest, um, oh, this, is so, this is a difficult question, because... Everyone that I interview, I, I enjoy the process because I really get to know them inside and out. But I think in terms of the person who's kind of stuck with me, I think it's two people. 
And I think I'm going to have to take it back to the volume um, two series. And it's the first two memoirs I did. And one of them was to do with an artist called Khadija Say, who um, unfortunately she's not with us today. Um, um, uh, yeah, unfortunately she's not with us today. And the second person is um, Adebayo Balaji. Um, I call him Ade. He's a good friend of mine. And in terms of uh, Khadija Say, I think the reason why um, the Khadija Say memoir to me is, is, uh, is a powerful one is because of her story and how much grace and, you know, how much, and how humble she was and how modest she was and how her story is one, of the, her story is a, is a very powerful story of admiration where this girl dared to dream and she did it. And unfortunately, um, her life was lost in the Grenfell Tower, um, uh, in, in the Grenfell Tower tragedy. So I think the reason why that memoir kind of sticks to me, because I remember when I was kind of coming up with the idea of memoirs by a child and I saw the events unfold with Grenfell and that really struck a chord with me. It, it really made me feel, it really made me feel angry at the government and how it let down a certain community of people. And I was like, and I remember when I started my memoir, I was like, we've got to do something with Khadija Say. But this particular, the first volume just isn't right. I've got to wait, basically. And when we got to that first volume, when we got to that um, volume one, I, I, I remember speaking to my um, my friend Rachel, who who is what edited um, uh, edited for that memoir. I was like, Rachel, we've got to bring her A again when it comes to this, um, when it comes to this memoir. Because I remember when I was like reading the information out there, I was just talking about, you know, unfortunately she died in Grenfell Tower. And I wanted to, I wanted to create a piece of work that was reflective of her life and what she wanted to achieve in it during those, um, during those, uh, during that period, basically. So yeah, I think for me, that was a very um, powerful one because within that, because um, even the way I ended it, I didn't end it by saying, hey, I'm for, um, sadly she's not with us. I ended it in a very um, happy and very, I think a very happy and powerful and optimistic way. Because like I said, I saw a lot of stories that were just saying, hey, unfortunately she's not with us. This is what, this, these, these were her, final piece of work but like I said I wanted to really produce a memoir and as well as a, a biography of her life and like I say to this day like there there, there's, there, there, isn't, there isn't a week that goes by that I don't um I don't forget I, 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 I I'm trying to articulate my words I there isn't a week that goes by where I, I forget about can you just say there's always a week that goes by I'm like like I just it, it just it just comes to my head where I'm like oh like this woman was about to do amazing things in a sense where when she um, did her final exhibition, she was getting called to um, do stuff in New York, you know, in the States. So, yeah, that memoir kind of touched me. In terms of the second one with Adebayo um, Balaji... Well, before we move on to the second one, can you talk a little bit more about the Grenfell Tower um, incident and what happened during that time? Yeah, so during the um, Grenfell Tower um, uh, incident, so what happened was that there was a building and what's it called again? It had like very flammable cladding. And what happened was that the locals kind of reported to the people that, hey, like, along with the kind, there's many things wrong with this building that we're living in that could ultimately lead to us dying, basically. And they were quite, and they were quite constantly, you know, they told their, um, they told the local council, hey, something needs to be done, something needs to be done. And the council failed to listen to them. So during, um, during, uh, um, during the late hours, um, during the late hours of the night, a fire started, I think, on, um, don't quote me on this, I think, on the fourth or fifth floor around the um, lower floors and it spread like wildfire, like literally crazy on, uh, it spread like it spread like crazy across the um, tower. And I think in total it killed like about 70 or so people. And you look at, you look at those kind of tragedies and you kind of think, 
this could have been avoided if the, um, the council just listened to those people and their demands. And like I said, Khadija was caught up. Uh, Khadija lived in that tower. So during that period, it was a very frustrating time for a lot of us because what the, cause the damning and sad thing was that there was a lot of people who, who were, um, there's a lot of um, people of color living in that, um, living in that tower. So it was such a tragedy and it was such, it was quite sad to see that the government again failed people, um, failed, um, failed, failed this community. So I think, yeah, like I said, like during the, during, uh, like I said, I, w- I really want to capture Gigi's story and really shine a light on it and really say, hey, this is someone who was going to do amazing, um, amazing things. Because like I said, I think when she did her final exhibition, Mm-hmm. all the pieces were and um, all the pieces that she did present were sold wow. so this was someone again who was who was on the verge of doing amazing things but unfortunately her life was just cut short so yeah i finished my degree in chemical engineering and it was quite interesting because i was able to get um, a couple of jobs and i was kind of thinking okay this kind of sucks because i'm at the height i'm at the height of what's called again of this of being an art blogger slash art historian, I'm at the height and it's kind of like, because of my job, I kind of have to, I don't know how I'm going to manage it kind of thing. So when mm-hmm. the pandemic hit, a couple of jobs that I was supposed to start in um, September, they were like, listen, um, because of the pandemic, we kind of had to push it all the way back to, um, all the way back to April. And I was like, well, sir, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy with that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Right, because so, you could actually yeah. focus on what you want now. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, you know, it's, it's not bad. I don't mind. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't mind. I can do a lot of things um, during that period. So, but as well as that, a couple of other, um, couple of other opportunities came along where I did get um, approached by Google to actually work at the company. So I did that. I did that interview and I was a bit unfortunate with that particular role. But what was kind of weird was that it was kind of like I was looking for a sign and I was like, in my head, I was kind of like, okay, what's the next move? And when I didn't get that job with Google, I was like, okay, the next move is volume three. This is it. I'm mm-hmm. going to be volume three now. This is it. Mm-hmm. We're going to take memoirs globally. Because beforehand, I kind of like flirted with the idea of doing the third volume. And I remember speaking to someone at a party I was at. And she's also, she does a lot of stuff within the art world. And I was like, and I was saying to her, hey, I don't know whether or not to do this third volume. Maybe I might just stick to the UK. I don't know. I don't know how I'd be able to do like a global series. You know, mm-hmm. I'd have the mind to travel around the world and stuff. And I should like, listen, Chad. Do, do do the global series. Don't keep it mm-hmm. small because you're really you've already got traction as it is. Take it global. Right. And like I said, when I got that rejection from Google, I was like, okay. Oh, it's Google. Yeah, yeah, so I was wow. like... Wow, probably looked out in that regard. They're super hella racist at Google. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I was like, you know what? As well as that, I had to move all the way to Ireland. So to actually do, to actually do the role. Mm. So when I got the rejection from Google, I was like, you know what? Okay, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing a volume three series and we're going to take it globally. And mm-hmm. that's, when I, that's when I started reaching out to different people across the globe. So I was like, okay, I want to take memoirs to the US. I want to take memoirs to Africa. I want to take memoirs to Asia. I want to explore other areas of the UK. And I just started to send emails to different artists across the globe. So yeah, that's how I'm currently at now where I'm, I'm, I've formed connections with people in the, in the, um, in the US. I've formed connections with people in the US, formed connections with people in Singapore, formed connections with people in Nigeria. And that's where I'm at now, where it's still the same thing as volume one, where it's like we're talking about me as a person, the artist and the work. Because like I said before, I, I read a lot of these magazines and it's like, 
it's just questions, answers, question, answers. Hey, how mm-hmm. do you feel about the studio? Oh, and what's been inspiring you recently? This is kind of thing. I was like, you know what? Let me bring something different. Right. Let me bring something different to the table. So as you continue to, you know, uh, progress on and uh, produce your blog and, you know, produce more memoirs, um, give us more memoirs in the world. Um, what are you, what are you imagining will be the turn for the next volume that you, um, that you produce? Like what, what do you think the subject will be? Well, so I don't know when it comes to that question, but I think for me, when it comes to what I can say about volume three is that, like I said, with volume three, um, I'm just pushing the boundaries. I'm just trying to speak to people um, from different countries, trying to get their own opinion mm-hmm. about their own journeys and their art and just, you know what I mean, telling stories in a, on an international stage. So mm-hmm. I think for me, uh, Percy right now in terms of, because um, I know the question is about, okay, the next volume. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, when it comes to volume three, I think, yeah, it's just going bigger and just going hard and just, yeah, just speaking to artists from different, um, speaking to artists from, uh, from different countries, having that international stage to really showcase my journey, showcase the, art, uh, the artist's journey, and again, showcase um, the work and everything. So, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do with them, um, volume three. In terms of volume four, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's not really confirmed just yet, but I think, um, yeah, as of now, like I said, I'm just having fun with it. I'm having fun with it. And I'm enjoying it. Like I said, there are some moments where it has its ups and downs. But like I say, for me, the funnest part is that when the memoir is finally done, it's written, it's edited, and I post on the website, uh, and then I say, hey, go check it out. I think for me, that's the that's the joy I get it. I get um, from doing um, from doing memoirs. Like I said, telling those stories, you know, telling those stories, giving people a nice good entry point into what's the quote again, into art, showcasing my views and talking about um, important, talking about important issues. So, yeah. So at the end of the day, when folks are uh, reading your memoirs, what do you want them to take away from? Like, what do you want folks to leave your work um, understanding about artists, artists and the world that we live in? Um, I think, I think it's two things. I think, um, I think I want people to take away, I want people to learn a bit about me as well as a person, kind of what I stand for, what are my views on certain things, you know, um, as well as I want people to take away um, knowing about art. And like I said, learning, knowing, feeling that art is for them, you know, having that, having something that says, yo, okay, I like this. This is, I'm going to keep on reading this. So I think yeah, those are my kind of main messages, kind of like simple saying, hey, art is for them. And they kind of like know me a bit better because you kind of have that, there's this age old saying with, even with friends and family where they kind of, where they kind of say, yeah, I know this person quite well. Yeah, I know BK quite well. But you kind of turn around and say, do you really know me that kind of, do you really know me that well kind of thing? So I think that's what I, I use my blog to kind of like show people the side of me that they haven't actually seen, you know, in person or just like from speaking to me. Because like I said, my blog is kind of like my essence. And so, yeah, that's from a personal, um, uh, that's from a personal aspect. But in terms of, yeah, the second part that I said before is, yeah, just telling people that, hey, art is for them and, kind of again breaking those barriers and making more making people feel more comfortable and say hey I can get into art you know what I mean like this is someone who doesn't have a degree in art history or fine arts and this is someone talking about art I can get into art myself I can I, I yeah why not let me go to a gallery let me feel comfortable in a gallery so I think that's another thing I like to add there like making people feel comfortable that they can enter these spaces and enjoy art because like I say when I do enter these spaces especially um 
in the um, high-end areas, like your, your Mayfair and all these rich areas in London where I do go to, go to those gallery spaces, I don't see people looking like me. You know what I mean? So I think I want to I want to provide people that kind of outlet. Say, hey, you know what? Let me go to a gallery. Let me go to this gallery and see what artists is showing their work there. And again, like I said, I want to also showcase people. I want to show people that there are, especially um, people who are Black who do read my blog, that, hey, there are some amazing Black artists out there. You know what I mean? Let me check out their work. I mean, it was something I wanted to do in volume um, one. And I think volume one kind of made me realise I didn't do that much of it. I'm... I didn't really highlight and showcase what's called again, black um, black talent that from the past basically. So yeah, I think that's one thing I want to showcase too. That hey, there are some amazing black artists out there, and you should check them out basically. You should go support them because we see this massive movement of like support black businesses, support black businesses, but support the black artists. You know, what I mean, if you got some money, you know, put put it put it down on some black art. You know, what I mean, support the black artists. So I think yeah, it's those kind of things. I want to give to readers and kind of show show them that hey, this is me, um, and yeah, support the support the artists and yeah, check out their work and go to galleries and feel comfortable in these um, spaces. Don't feel intimidated, you know what I mean. So yeah, just want to give another big shout out to Memoirs by Shard. Thank you so much for joining us in the room today and introducing us to some old and fairly new artists. Be sure to follow Shard on IG at Memoirs by Shard and check out his work. And as always, thank you so much for joining us. We'd love to hear what you thought of the show. Let us know by sending us a tweet, messaging us on IG or Facebook, or simply sending us an email at theartivistroom at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, be well and stay safe. Artivist Room is a Donkey Style Projects production. I'm your host, Britt, and our show is edited and engineered by St. James Valsant. If you'd like more information about Donkey Style Projects, please check us out at www.donkeysaddle.org.